Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hello, Mick. Hello, I'm Ed. And you know, this week we don't have uh, Champ, uh, you know, to John. He's, he's not feeling well. So he, he, he's one with a sickness, um, or down with a sickness, I guess, if you really want to go with uh, some Lincoln Park. Um, you know, the reason why we didn't do one last week, um, Ed was, well, down with a sickness. Um, you know, we got a whole song going on here. Um, <laughs> I luckily have only escaped with allergies, um, which I guess you could call that down with a sickness too, I guess. Um, but, you know, here nor there. Um, well, week before last, we talked about... Um, peripherals and sustainability. So, I'm going to get your opinion on that. I know you weren't here to discuss it with us, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you've listened to the episode mm-hmm. and got an idea of kind of what was going on. Um, what do you think? Well, from a sustainability, I would say um, it depends on what technology you're using, but some of the the uh, multi-head units we have or some of the multi-filament units we have mm-hmm. where you can actually uh, print um, multiple filament colors. Yeah. I think it's kind of neat that you're able to have a bin mm-hmm. to kind of collect all those things. Um, that makes it a little bit easier, you know, to at least have everything in one place. Yeah, what they call the poop or something? Yeah, the poop. Um, but uh, I, I think one of the biggest things I... I see this from a peripheral, maybe not so much uh, sustainability, but maybe from the point of like all the options you have now with hot ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the options you have with uh, different type of motion control systems. You know, which, what are you, what are you doing? You know, right. which, which flavor you choose. Um, and then um, I think uh, maybe it's not so much a peripheral, but being able to have enclosures to help uh, control temperature. That's that's really a way of sustainability because you reduce maybe the amount of uh, energy you have to disperse yeah. to to maintain that temperature in the chamber. So I, I see those type of things. Yeah, um, I can see that. And then you know that you know for me I agree with you hundred ten percent. You know I I use I've switched out my hot end before. You know on on the Voron. And I use two different type of motion control systems here. That, you know, with, with all of mine, I've got a Core X Y, and I got a regular bed slingers. You know, um, and then of course the Ender Five, which is close to being a Core X Y, I guess. Mm-hmm. Ish, not it's not a Core X Y. Ish, um, but you know, the one the one thing I think we also talked about is, and this kind of leads us into this week, um, engineering grade filaments. Mm-hmm. So when you start hearing, say, peak and stuff like that, um, knowing, Nylon. yeah, nylons, but knowing, especially we start talking about high impact, high temperature prints, mm-hmm. you know, the the peaks of the world, mm-hmm. or you know, the peak CF, or you know, stuff like that, which is insane. You know, what do you think? Well, I mean, uh, that's that's like a game changer if you're trying to do rapid prototyping and mm-hmm. you just want to test something and you don't have the time. To send it out to a uh, external company and have them um, mill it for you, or have mm-hmm. them plastic inject and mold it for you, and send it back to you. Uh, with you being able to at least get those materials and have the hot end that's able to facilitate what mm-hmm. you're trying to do, at least you can start doing some uh, 
rapid prototyping to see, hey, is this concept working? Does the math match what I'm doing with the printer? Yeah, makes sense. And, you know, the thing is with Peak, with Peak, you, you pretty much have to heat the thing to Jesus. You know, you're, you're, you're talking, you know, at least, what, a 200-degree bed temperature and a 300-degree nozzle? Mm-hmm. You know, and then your bed, your enclosure temperature is like 80 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're right there about, you know, close to ignition point. You know, if you're printing that in your house on a standard printer, please don't. Um, I highly recommend getting a printer that can handle that temperature. Don't try to push a boron or anything like that to those yeah. temperatures because guess what? It ain't going to reach it. Um, it might, but then you probably have a chance to cut your house, catch your house on fire. So that leads us into this week. This week, we want to kind of talk about, you know, kind of what goes into, um, say, rapid prototyping when it comes down to um, um, 3D printing. Or um, if you really want to get into it, you can really we can really dive into the world of, um, um, you know, like the world of CNC. You know, if you really want to get into rapid prototyping, if you really want to go that route. Um, which is, is, is all 100% plausible, you know, especially when you start getting into the metal I.O. systems and stuff like that that are attached to the Haas CNC's. Um, so, you know, that's where you really start getting into some weird, um, I guess, advanced prototyping. Or rapid yep. prototyping, I guess. The thing is, it all starts, you know, honestly, with software. Yeah. You know, when you start talking about rapid prototyping, that's where the CAD CAM software hits the, you know, the, the, the meat on the street. Um... You know, we had an opportunity to talk to a couple people at South Tech that we really, you know, we'll have to have on this podcast soon because those guys are awesome. The CAD CAM guys. Mm-hmm. You know, really good conversation with those guys. Um, love talking to them. Um, I've been, the last couple weeks, working on a uh, something for my buddy using Autodesk. Um, so I use Fusion 360. And, you know, CAD CAM, people can do it. It's free if you're doing... Um, for personal use, which that's what I'm doing. Um, and then it's not really that expensive for corporate use. Um, I think it's like five thirty something a year where you can do a team and it's like, you can actually just hook everybody up online mm-hmm. and you can share, um, you know, statuses mm-hmm. across the board. So when you start talking about it now, what do you think? What do you think? Well, I, I look at it from the point of view of, okay, say for example, and I, I'll give you two examples. I'll give you one on the uh, lower end and one on the higher end. So we'll start with the lower end. So on the lower end, <clears throat> for example, I have a, um, a washing machine. And the washing machine has some plastic part that breaks. Um, and I purchased this part and the part broke again. Mm-hmm. So now for me, I have uh, a problem with purchasing this part again that's that's eventually going to break. So my idea would be, how can I make this part more robust? What, why is the part breaking? So first, I can make the part as is and mm-hmm. do testing on a few of those parts to see where the stress is coming from and maybe redesign the mechanism. Mm-hmm. Or I can make the mechanism robust enough to resolve the issue. So that's one of the things I see with 3D printing rapid prototyping is problem solving. Okay. Now, on the higher end would be like when we was talking about, you know, a system like Phillips where it's additive manufacturing. Yeah. Um, maybe I have a shaft that breaks that has a uh, 
some component on it, um, and I need to um, have this part uh, today. I can't wait. Mm. Or I, I need to have this part this week. I can't wait three weeks. I can't wait 12 weeks. I can't wait for supply chain issues because, I, you know, the machine's not running and I'm not making money. Right. So then that would be on the other end. Right. You're, you're able to use those type of systems to um, get a machine back online. Now, you talk about doing stress testing and stuff like that, you know, especially with 3D printing. Now, would you do that in your software or would you rather do that hardware side? Well, you, you would run a, uh, you would run the algorithm, but still you need to test it. Math is logical. You still have to build the item. You, you can't just say this equation is this without testing that equation in the physical world. Yeah. So yes, you do have to do the engineering first, then you start the process of rapid prototyping. Which yeah. the only reason I bring that up is because you have a lot of people out there. You know, me being one who enjoys Fusion 360, um, is you always start your CAD CAM and you do your testing in a CAD CAM and then you kind of move over to, you know, the physical part, physical physical design. But, you know, you start dealing with stress and stuff like that, high points, hot points, and stuff like that is on, on the CAD CAM software. And, you know, you kind of throw it through that, you know, your flow diagrams and stuff like that, mm-hmm. whenever you're doing stuff like that. You know, but there's so many people out there who forget that your first step should always be testing the digital world, you know, before you take it out and put it in a, you know, in a physical world because you can spend all this time designing the darn thing. It's like if you're designing a pipe system and you realize that, ooh, I don't have the right flow. You know, I'm not going to wait until I build it and bury it to find out that everybody's toilet's right. going to back up, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, well, like it it, it kind of really ends up in a shitty situation. Yeah. Um, that, that's like why you're figuratively. You, you know, thank you, you for the dad jokes. You use it, but you do, you, you know, it is a simulation. Right. And But the simulation is getting you with mathematical precision as yep. close as you can get. Right. But you do also have to put that thing in a physical environment. The world. So, yet, it, it's, two, it's two camps. Yeah. So, uh, you can go to Router Edison and try 10,000 variations to find a filament. Mm-hmm. Or you can do what Tesla said. You know, I can figure it out mathematically and do it once. Yeah. Why would I spend 900, 999 tries when I can just do it on the first try? Right. With doing the mathematics, doing the, the engineering. The simulation. Using science, looking at the physical phenomenons that we know mm-hmm. that exist. Which, you know, now that kind of brings us into, into a fun little world of when you start actually developing, you know, hard products. Mm-hmm. You, know, you start really getting into some of the weird stuff, you know, like what you said, gearing and stuff like that. You can start testing, you know, plastic gears before, before you test metal gears, and before you start messing, you know, trying to spend the money on going out and cutting, you know, you know, either you know, stainless or you know, uh, tool steel or you know, what is it, N three CV titanium. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're building, if you're using titanium on a washing machine, I want to see the size of the washing machine you're working on. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, you start dealing in, you know, the plastic world first, plastic is cheap. Mm-hmm. You can also recycle it if you use the right stuff. Um, but if you think about it, and this brings me back to the, you know, the shitty situation is, and this is what I don't understand. We have all these people laying pipes, 
building infrastructure systems. Mm-hmm. Why, for the love of God, are we not 3D printing the pipe system? First and foremost, uh, test it in a smaller fo- in a smaller form factor. I understand you're doing your flow dynamics on it, but you know how many times have you seen it of where they build these houses or build something, and mm-hmm. guess what? Something's just flat out wrong. You know, I, I can build all of my all of my, my pipe system all the way back to the main and test it by pushing water through the system in a, in a plastic world before I dump $2 million into the ground and then realize, ooh, ooh that really doesn't work. Maybe yeah. I should have trusted my, my calculation a little bit more. Well, now we have to keep 3D printing in perspective as it is today. Right. Um, so it's, it's much a fit more efficient, cheaper to manufacture piping on a mass scale mm-hmm. extruding. Right. It just, it's no, the timing, the time constraints is totally different. Right. Um, could there be some applications for 3D printing used in some type of fluid system? Well, if you, if Pro- you don't, if you probably, don't, I would say probably. And the thing is, if you're doing like eight scale, yeah. you know, you can test an eight scale. Yeah. Eight scale is going to give you the same ramp up that everything else will. Well, I mean, it maybe some special situations that you need that you can't get that with extruding. Yeah. Maybe some exotic shape that can only be re- replicated using yeah. uh, add, additive uh, manufacturing. Right. So it's it's still in its youth, but I can see the potential of 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Um, just like extruding had to get to where it is today. Right. One day 3D printing, not on a mass scale, but maybe I have a specialized uh, item. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I need a a water pump that's as strong as titanium, mm-hmm. uh, but it has all the characteristics as far as the thermal uh, properties. Yeah. And but I need it to be lightweight, so I need to reduce the amount of weight on whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe some uh, drone or something. Right. Makes um, sense. So then it makes sense to uh, excuse me, it makes sense to 3D print that because mm-hmm. maybe that's some exotic shape yeah maybe that's some shape that we have not yet um tried in injection molding but but one other thing just to add to that <clears throat> far as when we start talking there's a reason why there's plastic in washing machines and not metal yeah most of it is uh cost reduction right some of it is um manufacturing process mm-hmm. but one of the other things is is that you would rather the plastic gear get destroyed than something like the uh, the motor. Yeah. The motor costs way more than the gear. Right. So in some cases, you'd rather destroy the gear mm-hmm. and then replace the gear because it's, it costs a lot less to replace a plastic gear than it does to you know, replace a single-phase motor. Right. And, you know, I kind of want to you know lead onto this hypothetical world here. All right. I've got a house. I'm building a house. And now I'm going to build my drain field. Mm-hmm. I'm going to build a drain field. I'm going to put in a septic system. I'm going to back that septic system back up to the house. I know what my degree is. Let's say the degree is 45 degrees. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You know, try to be, try to just be simple here. Not nothing, you know, crazy. But what I can do with additive manufacturing, or 3D printing for that matter, is I can build it at quarter scale. Some of that's, you know, I don't have to actually go out and extrude piping. I don't have to make piping. I can just print the piping. Mm-hmm. You know, something small. I can print all one build plate most of the time. 
I can build my entire drain field out and have it all set up on, you know, plates and stuff like that what I need to set it up on. And I can test the flow by slowly piping water through the end feed and watching the, um, the drainage field fill up and actually oh. test that flow to make sure that the design is actually worthy, you know, and actually works with what you want. Yeah, I mean, you, you can... I mean, it, it's sort of similar like what they do with architectural designs when they use foam boards. Right, exactly. And they, they build a model at some scale so a person can get an idea of what they're trying to do. Right. And it's just that, more usable. In, in that um, instance, then, yeah, you could use it that way. Um, uh, that would actually be a good way of uh, prototyping, especially with some unique yeah. aspect to the land that you were doing, you know, or maybe um, the elevation was tricky. Yeah. Uh, if you think about it, how many times you have could, you seen a, a drain field you have to add pipe to it? Well, <laughs> I mean, you could probably, you know, scan the, scan the area or use lasers, some type yeah, of thing to kind of map out. And then you can take that back and digitally put it back into a CAD CAM program, do some things with, hey, which one is more efficient? Mm -hmm. Hey, um, can I do some things different instead of taking up this amount? How can I reduce the amount of uh, field lines I need? Right. Maybe field lines don't necessarily need to go, you know, at a 45. Maybe we can come up with some other system that, like a slingshot system, yeah. where basically we, the water goes in one way, we make a uh, angle at some angle that increases the velocity. Velocity mm -hmm. runs at a certain speed. It slingshots the, mature, the material further away, and you get the same um, um, properties as having a field line that's that's longer, so right. may, maybe it could be something like that. Yeah, and the thing is, it's it's not you know it's not to say that you know you know how they're doing prototyping now is not right. It's just another avenue and say you know another tool in the tool belt, and you know that goes along when you start really dealing with you know large part manipulation. You start building large part manipulators and stuff like that, and you, you start dealing with like um, um, uh, like robot indefectors. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, I, I think everybody who's in the manufacturing space has wasted money a lot on buying an indefector that doesn't work. You know, geometry's wrong, and now I have to spend another three or four thousand dollars to adjust the geometry because you know we got engineers who can't read a tape measure um, adequately. You know, um, but the thing is. Or that think that you need to have a system to be able to commission something else. One of the two. Um, well, the thing is, is what you, you kind of deal with is you can actually 3D print almost all the parts for an end effector, put it all together, wire it up, let it do its thingy, make sure it works, make sure it matches, take the entire part off the robot, send to manufacturer and say, build this. Yeah. It's done. You know, now all you have to do is build the darn thing. I don't need to tell you how to build it. Right. That's what you do. You do you and we do us. But if you do that in CAD CAM before yeah. and it works, then you can send the CAD CAM because you've already tried that prototype to say, hey, this works. Right. Then you have that prototype to compare to what comes back as a, uh, say, like a reference part. Yeah. You can do the reference between the two with some type of measuring system, laser, whatever you want to use. And then you can verify, you know, if you're off or not mm -hmm. and then uh, go from there because the uh, accuracy of uh, a lot of the uh, additive manufacturing, depending on you know the level of printer you have, can be very very precise. Yeah. 
And, you know, the thing is, is, you know, for me, it's just, it's how do you save money in the manufacturing space? You know, how do you speed up the manufacturing space? How, how, and also, not only that, is how do you get more people interested in the manufacturing space? Because if you have an entire division dedicated to your company that is dedicated 100% to rapid prototyping, to building or printing or setting up these end effectors or building and setting up pieces for a line that do they do all of it you know a bunch of CAD CAM guys and then they got hardware software 3d printers Haas CNC machines or whatever CNC machine you want to use that day you know available to you and then these guys or gals or whatever want to go out and that's what they do they do rapid prototyping you know, using 3D, and we'll, we'll even bring up 3D scanning. You know, they could use these 3D scanners and CAD CAM software and build out what has to be built out mm-hmm. and printed out. Yeah. Could you imagine the STEM implications that comes out of just doing nothing but rapid prototyping for people? Or at least rapid prototyping at your own company and how fast you can get people interested and wanting to work for you? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that's the... I think really that the point that's being missed with atom manufacturing at a prosumer, if that's the term you want to use, or I would just say a, a advanced hobbyist, um, that's that's what we're missing. Yeah, it's it's not missed to print out, uh, you know, uh, a rubber ducky, or it's not meant to print rubber out, ducky. you know, some Spider-Man, whatever. It's that's cool, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That that gives us the art, you know, part of STEM. They yeah. they give us that part, but yeah. for me, STEAM, um, a STEAM. I'm sorry, but for me, it's hey, I got a problem, and I need to solve it. Yeah. But I don't have the tools. Well, now I do have the tools. Right. I can use any. Uh, cloud-based um, application that can do uh, CAD, CAM, and start there. And then if I need to go further, you know, I can use something more advanced. Right. But I can at least start there to start to build things. Like maybe I want to put my hands on the six machines or the seven machines, the seven simple machines. Right. You know, or maybe I want to, um, how does a bearing work? Maybe I want to 3D print a, a scale of right. a bearing so I can see all the pieces of a bearing just just to put it in my hand. If I'm a young person that hasn't had the opportunity to work on these things, mm-hmm. that's a perfect thing to say, hey, I want to know how a bearing works. We'll go over there and 3D print it. Right. And, you know, I, I think we've, we've kind of hit the, sorry, 22 minutes in, but I think we've hit the bread and butter, you know, of, of why we talk about um, rapid, pro- not rapid prototyping, but yeah, well, rapid prototyping, Duh. rapid prototyping, advancement, added manufacturing, and subtractive manufacturing. I, I think we've kind of hit that bread and butter part. If you think about it, rapid prototyping on any genre, may it, you know, it make it 3D printing, CNC, float, um, a water jetting, any of that type of stuff, right? You cannot do any of that without having STEM. And I'll throw STEAM in there because, you, because you know, we got to have the art people, you know, available to do the three AutoCAD and the, 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 the fun drawings. 
you know, and, because and, and also don't forget places like ILM. Right. Star Wars wouldn't be the movie it was without the engineering done by ILM. Right. So we do need. And there is a need for that. Right. And the thing is, is I don't think that you can do any um, uh, rapid prototyping or any of that without having a complete STEM environment. You know, you have your entire team is STEM. You have scientists who are working on certain things. You have engineers working on certain things. And the thing is, is they're incorporating math into all of this. And you got the art guys doing their thing. The engineers, the art, the engineers and the math guys, and you know the technical guys are feeding data to the art guys. And the art guys are going, okay, you know, and they're building what they got to build because that's what they do best. Then the science guys are taking that and putting it through the science side of you know of um, uh, CAD CAM, letting it rip, and then send it back to the tech guys and saying, go ahead and print it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the engineers are building it back on the line. You cannot have a rapid prototyping section in your company or a company at all that's not, you know, wrapped around right. STEM or wrapped around out of manufacturing or, or um, uh, advanced or, you know, um, well, advanced manufacturing, but wrapped around rapid prototyping without having STEM. You just can't have it. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You can try. My love of God, please do. Because it ain't going to go far. Yeah. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. unless you want some wonky shapes, which go right ahead, be my guess. Well, unless how that works out. Like I said, that, it's a reason why um, we we lean so much on, on mathematics. Even yeah. back, we can see the mathematics all the way back to antiquity. Right. And uh, they didn't, okay, there was some trial and error, but. Because of trial and error, people started to study to try to figure out what were the mechanisms behind what they were seeing. Right. Which was at, <clears throat> that was the birth of mathematics. Yeah. And and logic. And fi- physical properties or physics. Right. Um. So, you have someone a tinkerer can make things. Right. Th- there's no doubt, and probably can make really really uh, advanced things. But do we really want to have a wind-up toy as the engine to take a rocket to propel off the planet? Or do we want to use science and figure out what type of propulsion system we have to have in place to overcome gravity to get into space? I kind of like want to watch both. Yeah, I mean, you want to watch, but which one of those you want to fly on? <laughs> I want to see how that wind-up toy would work, you know? I, I imagine it's mathematics to say that it can happen. And, you know, we, we've already got a <clears throat> company out in, um, what is it, Nevada, that's going to slingshot a rocket into orbit. Um, but, but that's a little different. Yeah, you're using a trebuchet method. Um, you're also using gravity. And you're using the principles of physics. Right. Whereas if I'm winding up... Yeah, kind of the same thing if you think about it. It's spinny, it's, spinny, spinny to launching. It's physics. Yeah. But what I would love to see the wind-up mechanism that's able to make that amount to oh, overcome yeah. gravity. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, and if that someone can do that, I'm all for it. Right. I'm nope. I, I'm I'm going green then. Yeah. If we I'll, can just take a key and go wind up rockets and shoot them ever off the planet, hey, sign me up. I want to see the rubber band for that one. Remember the old rubber band was <laughs> you spin up and launch? Yeah. Those things. Um, you know, and the poor sap that's sitting down at the bottom going, I think yeah. I got one more loop to go. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, even the rockets that I had that went on, you know, a hundred, two hundred feet, they had some kind of propellant. 
that propelled them. Yeah, know, yeah. I, I, see, I grew up making those rockets too, yeah. and stuff like that. You know, and you know, you, you kind of chase them across a field, and yeah. you know, but that's everybody's introduction to STEM. Yeah, you know, every, it's it is how it goes. You know, and a lot of people get lucky enough to have, you know, family members who work in you know some of these weird environments and stuff mm-hmm. like that that kind of get you going on it. But you know, it's just when you think about it, you know, that's where you start getting into. You know, everybody's been rapid prototyping for years. They don't know they're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you build something out of wood and go, oh, look, that works. Okay, now let me build it out what it has to be built out of. You know, or, or change it up because I tried to build out of scrap pieces. Guess what you did? Rapid yeah. prototyping. Guess what you used? Principle of STEM. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just, it's one of the things where, you know, you hear people going, I'm never going to use STEM. Yeah, you, you already have and you're saying you don't. So, you know, if you got people in your life who don't like school, say, I'll never use this. Cool. Hand them a chop saw and a two by four and a screw gun. Yeah. Uh, guess what they're gonna use? <laughs> well, well, even carpentry, which is probably you know goes back, is is eons. And it goes point. it goes back to antiquity because yeah. there there was somebody doing this type of work. Maybe not yeah. with the tools we have today, but someone was doing this type of work. Right. Whether it was timbers or whatever they were using, or right. if they were just using it was like the Viking age too. You know, if you think about if it, they're using a mass of dirt or whatever, or, or rocks or stone. Even those guys use math. Yeah. Maybe maybe not complex math, but they were using geometry and trigonometry. Yeah, they're also using engineering principles. You know, so I'm saying, like, you're using it. So maybe the, a better way to say that is I don't see a – I can't see how I'm using this, but you're using it. Right. Like, I can't see gravity, but yet we know it exists. And I yeah. can do – very rudimentary experiments to show you that it exists. Yeah. And, you know, some people out there, I think, sometimes think they can defy gravity, and we'll see how that works out. Um, those people who trip on hot air. Um, but, you know, it, it's the thing is, is I think that sometimes we deal with the fact that the the principles of why and how you use it on a daily basis isn't very explained very well. Because, you know, you got some of these, these, some of these you know, teachers out there, which, you know, we love our teachers, but, but I think, you know, they're overwhelmed by the amount of kids they got. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have time to sit there and explain every little thing that, you know, that what they do it for. Right. You know, you can't, you know, it, it's hard to tell a kid in middle school or high school, well, maybe high school is a little easier, but that, hey, you can use STEM or versions thereof in everything you do every day. You can do, you know, rapid prototyping almost every single day. If you right. draw something on paper and then go build it in physical form, guess what? You did rapid prototyping. So you make sure that, it, hey, look at this. I tried it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my math numbers are right. However, you start getting into where it's like, hey, guess what? This is where, you know, all these other engineering ideas come into play. And you start doing it in physical form. And I, I really think that, you know, we miss the boat. You know, when we try to explain um, rapid prototyping to some people and they don't quite understand where that's going. They don't understand that, hey, it's STEM related, but it's also the fact that we got companies that are missing the boat that aren't taking advantage of this to support their companies and support their people. Mm-hmm. You get a lot more people, a lot more interested, a lot more quickly if you gave them something fun to work on. Well, manufacturing has forgotten their ecosystem. So well, they've forgotten who they were. Well, when I say ecosystem, what I mean is, is even in... Um, say the ocean, there's an ecosystem. Right. And that ecosystem is dependent upon things inside of it. When you start to focus on profit, and this is the sole um, uh, focus of your company, mm-hmm. then you lose sight of the things that 
um, allowed that company to come and exist. Mm -hmm. You have to have resources to replace resources. So just like we have seasons every year and where we have uh, things grow and things die, mm -hmm. the same way you have in manufacturing. People come into the industry and people leave the industry. Right. So if you're not supporting the ecosystem, then you do not have the resources to backfill these people that leave the industry. Mm -hmm. And what happens is you have gaps. Yep. You know, so there are some things you can do, but now you're... Um, we can add Cobox. Yeah. We can add uh, other advanced uh, manufacturing te techniques, AGVs. Yep. Uh, we can add uh, machine learning and AI. Yep. And like 3D printers. You know, things, things of this nature. But you still have to have somebody that's savvy enough or somebody that's technical, technically savvy to be able to maintain these things. Yeah. So you still have to maintain the ecosystem. So yep. the ecosystem is the school system. Right. And that's where the, the manufacturing, so like that's where it should be no competition between Siemens and Allen Bradley mm. when it comes to the ecosystem. Right. They both. Had to benefit from it. Instead of trying to sell something to the school systems, you can sell it to whatever company. Right. You want to have an agnostic type of control system so that everybody can learn PLC programming. Right, exactly. So exactly. it doesn't matter if you program Siemens or if you program Allen Bradley or Mitsubishi or whatever brand, Omron, whatever you pick. Right. It doesn't matter. That That's the problem is everybody is only concerned about themselves mm -hmm. and they're killing the ecosystem. And, you know, that's where, I, you know, that's where when I start thinking, you know, what they forgot is who they were. You know, why did they come into existence? And why, why, why are they, you know, I know they came into existence to make a profit and, you know, to make money, but they, they forgot their main goal, you know, and th I think some of these companies have forgotten who they are. And, you know, and the, the thing is, it's like, cool, we're going to make a profit, we're going to make a profit, we're going to make a profit at the extent of the fact that they're losing people in the industry daily and hourly for that matter, you know. But, you know, the thing is, is that's where I think setting up, you know, rapid prototyping cells will help get it, will help get some of these companies back to prominence. Mm -hmm. You know, some of these companies that can sit down and go, okay, yeah, we, we screwed up on that one. You know, that's us. We'll, we'll, we'll take that. We'll move on. You know, we'll come up with something else. Yeah. You know, I really think that you need to take, for example, possibly led by OPCUA because OPCUA seems to have the ear of everybody. We saw that at, at South Tech. You know, we, we noticed they have the ear of everybody. Everybody else on their wall. You know, the, the only problem with OPCUA is OPCUA and that organization. So it's not OPCA, it's the members of OPCA. Right, exactly. So you still have a problem where Siemens stuff may not work with Alan Bradley but stuff. He, but and, he, and, but he, that's that's the issue. But here, here's, here's what I mean by that, and this is where I'm going with this. And I think that there needs to be a push to make a PLC based system make be it whoever you know that does the hardware you know because god forbid they're gonna argue about that until it's blue in the face um but make it to where it say it's stem capable you know where it's easy to teach it's easy to to program you know maybe not too easy you know we don't we don't need that Make it, you know, but also make it where I can rapidly use it in rapid prototyping events 
like setting up, you know, um, 3D printed robots or something like that to teach robotics. Um, but I, and this is where it's going to sound nutty and I'm never going to get away with it, is have the companies work together and make that piece of hardware understand multiple programming languages. Because then schools only have to buy one, pro, one PLC type to teach all the different languages that are, you I mean, know, programming. I wouldn't even teach the different languages. I would do it this way. When I teach, just the concept of programming. Right. It's not, it's not Python. It's not C. It's not C++. I'm teaching the concepts of programming. What do loops do? Right. How do we iterate over a loop? Right. That's, that's what I mean. That, that part, just the, the bones of PLC programming need to just be taught that way. Yeah. And then whatever the school wants to pick, that's fine. Yeah, the specialization track, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying, j just like we teach physics, we don't teach European physics and American physics. We teach physics. Yeah. And the thing is, I think that's also where the open source community using open PLC right, right. can get into play, and you can teach the basics there. And then it's, hey, if you want to specialize in Omron or Siemens, let's exactly. take these classes. Take I, these classes. I 100% agree with that. And, and I think that's the way. And it's like, you know, and the thing is, is with that, then it's like, okay, cool. If you want to, if you want to specialize, then I think what we need also to do is if you want to specialize in rapid prototyping, you need, if you want, you're going to start with CAD CAM, whoever is there, Autodesk, yeah. you know, whoever, Fusion 360, or, or, whoever. Or the principles. Yeah, all, the principles. All, I, all I need is the bump. And you can use OpenSCAD yeah. for that. And then from right. there, it's, hey, let's go specialize in these people, these people. But the thing is, at the end of it, they all come together for a final project where it's, hey, you're going to work with 3D printers. You guys are going to work with, you know, some of our CNC machines. Yeah. And you, you work on a project together. And then pretty much you take that and integrate it with the guys who are learning PLCs and stuff like that to actively build the line. Yeah, like I say, when we teach the six or seven simple machines, yeah, we don't say this is a Acme simple machine and this is a Walmart simple machine. We right. teach simple machines. I'm saying why are we not teaching advanced manufacturing? Yeah. We should teach break it those groups should get together and say, hey, here's what they need to know at this level to understand when they get to our stuff. Right. That should be the goal. That the goal is is not to make Allen Bradley Siemens all one. When I say agnostic, I mean an agnostic curriculum mm -hmm. that is not controlled by Siemens or Alan Bradley. They yeah. work together to say this is what they need to know to understand this. Right. And that that's the curriculum we, we teach. I, I go back to it, mathematics. When we teach mathematics, we teach it at different levels. Like yeah. so arithmetic is different from algebra. Right. Algebra is different from geometry, yep. but they all tie together because those are things you have to master to get to understand it in algebra. Those are things you have to learn to understand it in geometry, trigonometry, mm -hmm. calculus, and more advanced mathematics, linear algebra, <clears throat> differential equations, or whatever mathematics you're taking. Yeah, I agree with that. We teach the core concepts. Yep. I believe all of these companies Robot companies, um, PLC automation companies, uh, 3D printing companies. So that's additive, subtractive. I don't have to teach you 
my proprietary information. Mm -hmm. I just need to teach you what you need to know to be able to use the tool. Right, exactly. Teach me the con the core concept to be able to master the tool. Mm -hmm. That makes that, that makes sense. And the thing is, is you know, will we ever see that? Maybe. Um, is it going to take a lot of pushing? Yes. Is it going to take the, you know, somebody from on the industry side saying, "Hey, guess what, dummies? You really need to start talking." Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that's when I kind of hope that you know somebody like you know, Smee gets involved and says, "Hey, guess mm -hmm. what, guys? Y'all y'all need to you know get it together, figure this out." You know, instead of being all for one, one for all, mm -hmm. you know, we need to come together at least and do, you know, this in STEM, you know, and, and support the, the growth of the industry. If, you know, like if y'all saw the YouTube video, we talked about, you know, the, what the next steps are as far as for, you know, uh, for SME and, how, and what they're moving, how they're moving forward. But it's, you know, as far as with the challenge. However, if we don't get the companies to agree and the companies to talk to each other, the companies to actually be friends. You know, then it's pretty much out the window at that point. Right. Um, hate to say it, but it, it's just it's just not gonna happen because somebody. Well, I, I learned I learned Siemens. Well, now you have a job work and do work with Omron. Yeah. Oh well, I I know Omron well now. You got a you know you got a job working with Al Bradley. Yeah. You know. Oh well, I only specialize in this. Well, yeah, too bad. You know, figure it out. Well, yeah. you know, it, it kind of to me is as simple as if I get if I learn the core concepts of driving. I can obtain a driver's license in any state in the United States. Right. Because I understand the core principles of driving. Right. So who cares what state it is? Right. Then get together and teach the core curriculum concepts. Do a... Agree on sound, a curriculum. This uh, is going to sound kind of funny. Put a driver's ed for advanced manufacturing. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. You, you have to maintain the ecosystem. Yeah. If you do not maintain the ecosystem then you will not have people to maintain the ecosystem. If you don't have the pieces, then you can't do it. You can put all the cobots and all the robots and all the AI and all the everything you come up with. Somebody still has to be able to come up with that technology. Yep. We are not at a point where uh, we're in the matrix. We're a long way from the matrix. I know people are dreaming that it just come tomorrow, but you're a long way. And then you're going to get what you're going to get when you make the matrix. So make the decision. Either man make decisions or machines rule men. And, you know, and the thing is, is that's when you start getting into the, you know, the rapid prototyping stuff. Make it interesting. Yeah. So teach a driver's ed for advanced manufacturing. And at the same point, make a driver's ed too that focuses only on rapid prototyping. Because then you can tie them both together. Because if you understand this one, you understand the other one. Yeah, I swear, it ain't that hard. And make it projects and not um, multiple multiple cho choice questions or some essay questions because those things don't mean anything. Right. There is not one multiple question, multiple choice question that's on a manufacturing floor. Exactly. Not one. But there are projects. Yeah. So you know the thing is is that's kind of where you know where that goes. Is you know work, work at the project level, work at the you know the together level. You know don't don't fight each other over things. You know bring in experts from all the different companies and have them talk to your people. You know and work on projects with them. Right. You know so at least your people will understand who. You know who they are. Right. You know because without them, guess what? You can't teach nothing. But 
you know, we can yap about that until, you know, the day is blue. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we kind of ran a little longer than usual. Well, not really. Actually, the day was pretty, pretty, pretty normal. Um, but, you know, we want to turn around and say, you know, thank you, you know, to every single person. You know, I, shit, what was it, just a couple weeks ago? We were talking about hit, wanting to hit 2,000. You know, 2,000 all-time listeners. We, we were fighting, fighting, fighting for that. Fighting for the last five. But guess what, you guys? You guys stepped up and uh, crushed it. You know, we're right now at 2093. You know, guys, you know, we're, we're doing something. You know, hopefully. Um, I can say hope. You know, hopefully we're getting the ideas out there. Um, you know, as long as people are listening, we're happy. Um, as long as it's making sense. You know, we're even happier. You know, we love having conversations with y'all. Um, you know, love having conversations with the guys in the industry. Um, because, you know, every day we have those conversations. It's one more check in the box that we get for saying that we're trying to advance the STEM me- uh, message. And, you know, the, the, the STEM idea one step further. You know, as, you know, what I can see is we've kind of advanced that 2,093 steps. You know, yep. we're, we're getting there. We might get a mile eventually. I think we're a little bit over a mile now. Um, depending on how big your feet are and how long your strides are. Yeah. You know, and if you're champ, it still might be the half mile. <laughs> um, but, you know, here nor there, walk with them across the, uh, across the frickin' convention center floor. I'll tell you one thing. That's how that goes. But, you know, the thing is, I want to say thank you. You know, go take a look at the YouTube channel. We just posted some stuff out there, you know, a little while ago. We'll be doing more and more. Um promise um go take a look at um uh vulcan art 3d uh we'll be bringing out some more t-shirt designs i know champ has a few and i have a few stem ideas for some t-shirts we're going to be throwing out there for everybody you know printed heritage go take a look at you know some stuff we got going on there um you know and you know let us know if y'all need anything you know um if y'all want to get together and talk about something we'll set up a you know a live stream one day and we'll mm-hmm. have a conversation you know what does everybody want to talk about in stem you know, as far as STEM with advanced manufacturing. Now, that might be something that we do just shooting the crap and just seeing what, what everybody thinks. Um, you know, we'll do like a, a, a happy hour one night, set up the camera and just talk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of see what what people want and what people want to talk about. So, you know, whenever that comes out, you know, we'll make sure we let y'all know at least a, you know, a couple weeks in advance. Mm-hmm. Or at least a week in advance or less to see if who, who joins in. Um, but, you know... Again, I just want to say thank you. Um, you know, we appreciate it. Didn't think we'd ever be at this point, but guess what? Here we are. So I'm going to turn it over to Ed, and y'all have a good one. Uh, I'd like to uh, uh, agree. I agree with Nick. We appreciate all of the uh, support. Um, we appreciate uh, everyone that's uh, uh, giving us support of the uh, podcast, uh, all the people that's uh, giving us a little love on YouTube. Um, and I kind of echo the same thing Nick says, you know, um, if there are any students or uh, STEM teachers that are interested in uh, maybe uh, talking with us, we'll be interested in talking with you, maybe give you some ideals uh, to maybe refreshing uh, some of the curriculum you're using, or uh, maybe you guys can give us some ideals, you know, for topics that we could cover, you know, to, to bring more focus to uh, STEM education. Um, also, I, I, I would also like to, you know, reach out to any uh, junior colleges or technical colleges or um, any uh, of our military um, personnel that are, you know, transitioning. You know, it, 
any of the armed forces that want to reach out to us, we'll be happy to, to work with you guys and uh, maybe talk to you guys about some of the things we see in manufacturing and how you can bridge that gap from serving our country to um, helping to uh, maintain the uh, manufacturing industry in our company. So, our country, excuse me. But, uh, yeah, and uh, I, if you guys are interested in a, a live stream or uh, maybe if you guys are interested in uh, uh, anyone that's uh, close to Charleston or around yeah. South Carolina um, that's, you know, interested in meeting, we can meet somewhere and maybe have a meet and greet or uh, uh, maybe you guys could give us some ideas. We'll, we'll be open to a um, you guys give us four or five topics you want us to talk about or give us four or five points and we touch on those four or five points. Uh, but as always, we'll appreciate the support and I'll thank you guys for tuning in. All right, y'all. Have a good one. That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. We hope you enjoyed the show, and don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Volcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.